All right, go ahead and uh, grab your Bibles. If you don't have one, there's one underneath the seats in front of you, and um, you can take it home and keep it. You can give it to somebody. You can do whatever you want with it. We'd love for you to have it. No matter what Bible you're using, open up to Mark chapter 1. Have something to take notes with this morning. If you don't, your neighbor's judging you hardcore. So just escape all of that and pull out something to take notes with. Did you guys like uh, the What Do You Expect series last, that we ended last week? Anybody here for my dad's message? Woo! It's a good one. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. If you heard it, go listen to it again. Like once a week for the rest of your life, maybe. We are starting a new series this morning. I'm really excited about it that we're going to be going, doing for the next handful of weeks. And I'm just full of faith for what God wants to do inside of us. Not just for what he wants to do inside the walls of this church as we gather over the next few weeks and speak on this topic and then kind of in this direction. But I am, you know, I'm, I'm always full of faith for this, but uh, I guess I could say I'm, I'm really currently extra full of faith too, that what God does inside these walls and what we hear together as we gather over the next few weeks, it's not just going to matter for what's inside these walls. I really believe that God wants to do some things in us to um, equip us and help us connect the dots on what does it mean to live as a follower of Jesus? How does that matter in our everyday life? Is that interesting to anybody other than me? We're going to call this series Jesus Today. Jesus Today. We're going to share part one with you this morning, so you can put that at the top of your notes. My nose is itching, so I might be doing this the whole time. Don't know why, but it does that sometimes. Tell me I'm not the only one. Okay, great. There's three of us with itchy noses. Awesome. Welcome to church, everybody. I'm excited about this series. And, you know, I, I, I love this church. Me and Bill Freegie love this church. <laughs> Do you know Bill Freegie loves you? <laughs> He's the man. I love this church. I love being the pastor of this church. I love uh, being together every week. I love having the honor of, of preaching most weeks here. And this is just such, such an outstanding privilege to be a part of this church family. And, uh, you know, being with you and being a part of this church together with you, being your pastor, sharing with you every week, it's, it's an honor and a responsibility that I, I take really seriously. And, it, and it's a blessing in my life. And um, I, I love this idea that we all have of let's get together around the word of God and see what does it mean to follow Jesus today. And I, and I love having the chance to have a responsibility in all of that. And, and, and I love this up here, standing up here and seeing all of you. Some of you um, I see most weeks. Some of you, this is your first week. There's all kinds of different faces. But this right here is a view that, that it inspires me and encourages me. And it's something that really is in my mind, in my heart, all the time for many hours a week as I pray for you and, and prepare for these moments together and believe, God, would you speak to all of us? Would you speak to all of us? And I love this because when I look out, you know, when I see your different faces, when I see the different people in here, you know, I, I just, it's, it's awesome and it sounds so silly to say, but genuinely, like, I just see you. I see who, who God's called you to be. This is a spot of faith for me up here to look out and see, oh my gosh, there's some mighty men and women of God in this room. I see who, who you are, who God's called you to be, and, and, but I also see everybody that you're involved with. I don't know how to say I see it, but you know how when you, like, you see stuff but not with your eyes? Sounds a little weird, but it's true. You know, you see stuff. I, I, I see you, and I see everybody who you are involved with in your life. I see your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family. I see, I see you. I see what you're going through, some of which, some of which I know of, most of which I don't. 
Some of you I know. Some of you I don't. I I see what you're going through. I I see what I know about you. I see what I don't know about you. And I see the questions that we're all asking about life and the questions that people in your life are asking about God, asking about life, asking about how we do this and really how how God might fit in. There's so much in this room. And when I think about getting together, when I think about this church, when I think about preaching in particular to you as this church, you know, I, I, I don't want to preach about Jesus back then. You know, I, I have no interest in preaching about Jesus back then, the Bible yesterday, or even Christianity someday, getting to heaven tomorrow. There, there, there's a place for that, but I don't want to get stuck in yesterday like what, it, what it, maybe it was supposed to, what it what used to be like. I don't want to get stuck in tomorrow of, of just where are we going. I want to know today, what does Jesus have to do with today? That's what, that's what I want. I believe we're all in that same boat together, right? Because like, um, I don't know about you, but I'm fairly confident that it's true for you as it is for me that I'm actually living in today. I, I'm not living yesterday right now. I'm, I'm not living tomorrow right now. I'm, I'm here today. And like I'm trying to live my life and I'm, I'm working through some things today, like today, today. I'm dealing with some things today. I've got questions today. I need help today. I need Jesus today. Anybody else? Something else I'm pretty sure that applies to you as well as it does to me is that today I find myself part of a species that tends towards confidence in itself to take care of today, to maximize today, tends towards confidence in itself to to find, to explore, and to fulfill the meaning, purpose, potential of today. That's the species I find myself in. Anybody else? Okay, see, we're all getting there, buying news. We had three itchy noses, we've got five humans. Okay, we're getting there. And this confidence that we have in ourselves for today echoes in the prevailing thoughts and philosophies that we find ourselves living in, among, and buying into even as individuals and as a culture. All of these things echo around like, do your thing, do your own thing, live your truth, pursue your dreams, do your thing, build your brand, follow your heart. That's my belt buckle. <laughs> Follow your heart. Find, or, 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 or just do this. Find somebody on Instagram who looks like they have an awesome life. Comment hashtag goals and just consider that, that you took a good step today towards a fulfilled life. We need to be honest that this is, sounds silly to say and throw it out there. And like when somebody says it on a microphone, it's like, I would never buy into that. <laughs> but we do. <laughs> And I think if we're honest about the things and the philosophies that are echoing in our hearts about how do we deal with today, we would find that they may work really well on some t-shirts, tank tops, or various trendy types of clothing that I don't know anything about. (laughs) They may work really well on a t-shirt or a coffee mug as you sip your morning joe. They may get you some likes and comments on Instagram or Twitter if you still use that, I don't know. But it doesn't actually work. It's not actually doing anything to help us really handle and work through and get through today. When uh, back a handful of years ago, when I was 
having a conversation with a guy named Jimmy Seibert, who he started Antioch in Waco, Texas, and is kind of serves as the, I guess you could say the, the president or whatever the title would be, the leader of this Antioch network that we find ourselves a part of. We were um, hanging out one night, and he threw out this question, would you ever consider going back to Indianapolis and starting a church? The, Heather and I had talked about it a few times in the years leading up to that, but never too seriously. But um, it, was, it was something that was an interesting thought, and he just encouraged, it was one of those conversations where I was like, I mean, maybe. And he said, I think you should pray about it. I was like, are you really meaning, like, pray about it? You know how we say that. That's like Molly said. You know, I'm praying for you. He's like, do you really mean pray about it, or do you mean, like, actually pray about it? He said, no, really actually pray about it. I said, okay, great. And that five-minute conversation led to this church, so praise the Lord. <laughs> But as he, as he threw that out and as I considered this thought of, of being a, a pastor, starting a church, moving back home, coming back to Indianapolis, as I thought about this position, looking out into this room, seeing these faces, the people that you're connected with, as I started considering all of these things, I didn't know a lot, but I knew one thing. I knew that the last thing that I wanted to give my life for was a church that was hopefully good on Sunday and didn't matter any other day. And that's the walk with God I had grown up with. And uh, in college, I, I met Jesus and started to walk with Jesus. And it just, you know, changed, changed my life. And, and the thought of, like, being, re being responsible or, or spending my life for an hour-and-a-half event one time a week that had no impact on today sounded like a miserable way to spend my life. And so I just started seeking God. <laughs> Lord, you know, I know that that's not who you are. I have found you to, to be different than maybe as I, as I thought that you were. I, I know that you matter today, but if, if this is like a different responsibility. It's not just me anymore starting this church. What, I can't do that. And uh, for about the first 20 years of my life, I thought Jesus was pretty boring and largely irrelevant. And when I think about today, I think that a lot of people think that. I would say that at least in my life and, the, and the, my friends and the people that I run around with who aren't following Jesus, the reason they're not is because there's not a whole lot of interest because he probably fits in that boring and largely irrelevant category. He uh, is considered as, I think, seeing Jesus as an antiquated way of viewing the world, an antiquated way of viewing sexuality and life and people and social norms and all of these things. He's, he's, God is dated and old school, right? We're smart and advanced and socially developed way past Jesus. I mean, just look at how we talk to each other when we disagree. It's obvious. <laughs> you know, we have a general attitude towards Jesus that we don't need some old rules from an old white guy in the sky telling us what to do, right? I was great then, but Jesus, he's not for today. Turns out that despite what I used to think, and despite what I believe, if that is the prevailing thought of today, despite my what I used to think, despite that current thought in our culture, and, and really despite what revelation or understanding any of us have even today, to a greater measure than any of us have any idea, right now Jesus is alive today. <laughs> like me not believing that didn't change that. Jesus doesn't die and rise on my belief. He is alive. Is done. He's doing things today. Jesus changes everything today. 
He ad- and he addresses the questions. He addresses the things that you're asking today, the questions that you have today. And Jesus is alive. He's giving insight. He's giving guidance and wisdom for you, for your life, for the people in your life that matters today. Jesus matters today. And I think we're a lot of times as like the church, as the people of God, we all have a really genuine, honest question that if we like pass the mic around, I think almost every single one of us would say, yeah, okay, so like how, how do I, yeah, but how do I connect those dots? It feels disconnected sometimes. So as I prayed about this whole church thing and wrestling with God, I think that you're asking me to do this, but I don't want to go do it like a way that I had seen it done before. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I was a mess. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> Give me grace. <laughs> Praying, asking God, Lord, how do we do this thing? What, what, what are you asking me to do? Don't ask me to move to Indianapolis and do something that doesn't matter today. I, I want to go. If we're going to do this, it has to matter. And, and it will matter because you matter, but I don't know how. I don't know how. And as we spent months praying and fasting, seeking God, asking people, Lord, would you speak something in our heart? He spoke to me this phrase that uh, was so clear. He put this phrase in my heart that I knew the moment that that God put it into my heart that it was going to change my life. It was going to mark my life. It was this mission statement that was so clear for my life. And it became the mission statement for our church. And that phrase was this, preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. Preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. I remember God putting that in my heart and just thinking, I can give my life for that. I can't give my life for a program once a week, but I can give my life for that. I don't know what that looks like. It's so much bigger than a Sunday activity. It's so much bigger than anything I've ever seen or known before, but I would give my life for that. I I, want to see that happen. And as you walked into church this morning, you saw that phrase painted on the wall outside. Well, it's there. I don't know if you saw it, but it's there, I promise. If you've been around here for long, you know, you've heard this before. You know that this is, this is our mission statement, whether you have it memorized or not. But this phrase I want to talk more about this morning because this isn't just a cliche, another Christianese thing that we want to paint on a wall and say, hey, we did it, right? Keep it in front of us. I I want this to be more than that. I want to talk about this phrase this morning, where it comes from in the Bible, and what it means for us to be a people today who preach this gospel of the kingdom and make others great, because I want it to move beyond a cliche that's painted on the wall and become the context within we engage the world that we live in today who we are. I want it to change the context of what we understand of who we are how, and how as followers of Jesus, we can engage and navigate the social climate we're in, the various relationships that we are in, the different range of questions that we and others have in our lives. And I want us to be able to do so with confidence, with clarity, and with impact. Because we don't have to be scared and nervous about engaging our world today. Jesus was confident. He was clear. He had major impact, and he did it in a way of loving people. And I believe he's got the same thing for us. See, not only does Jesus give us the choice to engage and impact our culture and community, he calls us to engage and impact our cultures and community. And I believe that that's who we are as a church and who I want us to continue to grow in personally and together Can we talk about Jesus today? Preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. I want to talk first about that first phrase. Write this down. Preach the gospel of the kingdom. Did I ask you to open up to Mark 1 earlier? If I didn't, I meant to, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Thank you. Mark chapter 1, 
We're going to read a few verses, starting in verse 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. You ever notice that verse before? That's interesting. (laughs) We're not talking about it today, but that's interesting. 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. I feel like I need to say that in my preacher voice. The gospel of God! (laughs) And saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is Mark's recording of the beginning of Jesus' ministry, sort of his his coming out party as the savior of the universe and the king of kings. He is uh, baptized in our first few verses, then he's led into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days. He's tempted by Satan, and apparently there's wild animals and angels, and we don't get a whole lot of details about that, but then he comes back into town comes back into Galilee after all of this stuff, this intense baptism story, this 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. He comes back into town, and I love this language. He's proclaiming the gospel of God. The word gospel means good news. Jesus, he bursts onto the scene of being the Messiah. He starts his ministry proclaiming the good news of God. Shout if you know God has good news this morning. It's so easy to come to church and say, I'm a church. But it's the good news of God this morning that we're here. And Jesus comes proclaiming this good news. And in verse 14, he says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus bursts onto the scene. He's he's speaking to a, a brutal political climate. He's speaking in a painful racial climate. He's speaking to a broken social climate. And that encourages me because these words on this page of Mark chapter 1 aren't just empty words on a page that some guy said in a white robe a long time ago in a desert in Galilee. When God stepped into our real world to engage and equip us for the challenges of life, to bring freedom and hope and restoration, this was his message. This was his message to that culture and that community. And just like it was the word of the Lord yesterday, this is the word of the Lord for you today. Believe in the good news of God. He steps into all of our complications and his clarity message is there's good news. There's a good news of God. Contrary to popular belief and understanding and something that even I thought for so long and something that uh, is, is true but not the whole story is that Jesus did not simply come to earth preaching the good news that he was gonna die and forgive our sins. Jesus came proclaiming, preaching a kingdom, the kingdom of the good news of God. And in his kingdom, you absolutely are forgiven and set free from your sins by his death and his resurrection. Somebody said amen. But there is so much more. Jesus came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, this rule and reign of God in every day, in every area of our life, in everything that you are involved in, in everything from the beginning of time to the end of time, the rule, reign, and presence and influence of God. No wonder it's hard to understand sometimes. 
He came preaching the rule and reign of God. And, and, and the truth is that this has always been the good news of God. That he, is, that he is a king with a kingdom that he wants to bring us into. This has been the story the whole time that God has been trying to reveal to the world. All through the Old Testament, God is trying to lead people into his kingdom, into his influence, into his rule, and into his reign. And Jesus preached this good news that this kingdom of God is now at hand. It's available. We can have it. We can be in it. We can experience the kingdom of God. And right away, right off the bat, he, just, he doesn't just say the kingdom of God is at hand. He gives us right away the way that we step in. He says, repent. 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 Turn from everything else that you're trying to build. Return, or, or repent. Turn from all of these other philosophies that you're running to to try to figure out today. Just turn from all that stuff that's not working and believe that God has made a way. Come into the kingdom. It's available and you're invited. This is the message of Jesus. We can say a phrase, preach this gospel of the kingdom. And put the word preach on it, and it's so easy to feel like automatically that only includes me, because I'm the one with a microphone. We, go to, we hear the word preach, and we immediately go to church, and we think stages, microphones, pastors, preachers, and what does that have to do with you? I thought we were talking about for you, what does Jesus have to do today? What does preaching have to do with you? But the truth is, is that everybody's preaching. Everybody's preaching. You're preaching. Everybody around you is preaching. Everybody has a message they're trying to convey. Everybody has a perspective they're promoting or news that they're trying to spread. Everybody is preaching. Everybody has something to say. Everybody has direction to give you on something and which way you should go and where you should end up. Everybody's making a point. Everyone's trying to steer your opinion. Everybody is preaching. You can look at the uh, Billboard Top 100 to see what uh, everybody's, who, who, who our culture's favorite preachers are and what their sermons are about. You can scan through social media to find uh, whether someone might, what, what uh, branch of the kingdom of popular opinion somebody might prefer, Pastor CNN or Pastor Fox News and their sermons. You can look at who you respect. You can look at the philosophies you follow, the methods you practice in your life, and you will see who it is that you believe is preaching good news that leads to life. We're all preachers and we all have our pulpits. We have our relationships. We have our social media platforms. We have our spheres of influence that we find ourselves in. We have our families, our dinner tables. We all have our pulpits and opportunities to preach. And that's why it includes you. Jesus has called you and he has equipped you today by his spirit to live a life that proclaims and demonstrates the good news of the kingdom of God. There's so much news being proclaimed today. And God has called and equipped you by his spirit to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. That doesn't always mean that you have to talk about Jesus every second in every conversation. Not saying that. I am saying you should talk about Jesus more than you do, and so should I. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's like that's our scale, right? It's like either never talk to him or talk about him all the time, and so there's no room in between, so I'm disqualified. <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, a few of us thought that was funny. It's true for me. <laughs> what I'm trying to say this morning is that I, I'm not trying to put something on you. I'm trying to set you free and tell you that you are allowed to believe the good news of God. You're allowed to live your life fully bought in that Jesus is alive and has good news for everybody all the time. I had a friend at, at, at the gym I work out at this, this week. He said he uh, knows I'm a pastor because he sees my truck now. So, no, I'm just... <laughs> 
uh, he, goes, he comes up to me, he goes, hey, uh, I've got to ask you a question. I was like, okay, this, this, it has that tone, like, as a pastor, you know when somebody's about to ask you, you know. I've got to ask you a question. He says, is it ever okay to lie to give somebody hope? And I was like, wow, that's intense. Of course, I was lifting massive weight, so I was like, hey, give me a second. <laughs> is it okay to lie to give somebody hope? And I said, okay, uh, quick tip when somebody asks you a hard question, ask them a question back because you get their context and it's helpful. I was anticipating a different context than he gave me and it was helpful that I asked this question. I said, what are you talking about? What do you mean? That's a really great question to help conversations, FYI. What, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm trying to decide uh, if I'm allowed to tell the 5.30 class that the workout gets better after the first half because I don't think it does. <laughs> And I said, okay, that's funny. But I said, but, but to be serious for a second, I want you to know you never have to lie to give hope. And he said, I like that. And I was like, well, then come to church. <laughs> it's a funny, silly example, but it was a, a thing to celebrate for me that I realized this week I took an opportunity to proclaim the good news of God. Yeah, we were talking silly about a workout, but what environments are you finding yourselves in where you have the opportunity to proclaim that there is always good news? Do you even believe me that you don't ever have to lie to give hope? That is the good news of Jesus. I'm not saying you have to throw his name out every other sentence. I just want you to know you're allowed to live fully convinced and believing the good news of God. You're allowed to be an example of purity in this world that you live in. You're allowed to carry faith when nobody else wants to carry faith. You're allowed to not give in to fear when everybody else around you is paralyzed. You're allowed to make the right choice when nobody else will. You're allowed to live full of purpose when you're encouraged to coast. You're allowed to let go of your offenses and your pains when everybody else wants to cuddle theirs and talk about it. You are allowed to live Live a life that proclaims and demonstrates the good news of God, the rule and reign of Jesus. And the truth is, is that when you are busy proclaiming, demonstrating, being, uh, um, what am I trying to say, oriented around the good news of the kingdom of God, you're convinced you don't have time to spread the news of everybody else. It doesn't become an effort because you share the news that you take in. And if you want to manifest Jesus today, take him in. It's not complicated, but you still have to do it. <laughs> because like, we say, I, I say, I want to give Jesus perspective on something. Feel free, give his perspective on something. Inject the hope of Jesus into a hopeless situation. Give his encouragement to a discouraged person. Small examples of what it can mean to proclaim the good news of God. And it sounds good, it sounds awesome, but I think the reason that it's kind of quiet and, and we, we want to be honest, what's going to take this from being something that sounded fine from the pastor on the stage on Sunday to encountering something that matters to you on Tuesday is if you'll do it. You know, like don't let I don't know be an excuse anymore. You need to know his perspective on some things if you want to give his perspective on some things. You need to know him as hope if you want to give hope. You need to know what he thinks about people if you want to give them encouragement in the midst of their discouragement. Don't let I don't know be an excuse anymore. Let's be a church. Let's be a people. Let's be an individual, a family, whatever that, that says, I'm not going to let I don't know be the answer anymore. Sometimes you might have to say, I don't know right now, but I'm going to know. I want to know what Jesus has to say about this. And you can do this. You, you can do this. If you don't know what the Bible says about something, that's okay. Just open it up 
and do something about the fact that you don't know. There's Bibles in your seats. Take them with you if you need it. You are allowed to take your Bible, carve out time, as much time as it takes, get alone with the living God and ask him, God, what's your perspective on this? Like you are allowed to do that. You are allowed when, when encountering a hopeless situation to get alone with God, to carve out as much time as it takes and ask him, God, I've got a hopeless situation. Where are you, hope? You are allowed to care for people, pray for them, believe in them so that you can always see who they are and not stumble over who they aren't. You are allowed to be consumed and injected with the good news of Jesus so that the good news of Jesus comes out of you. If you're not letting it come in, don't expect it to come out. You are a preacher. You are proclaiming something. You will live your life buying into something and contributing towards the momentum, the momentum of some news. And by the grace of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit, I want you to know this morning, you are free and you are empowered to make that news be the good news of God. You are allowed to preach the gospel of the kingdom, no matter what anybody else is doing or saying, because the world needs Jesus today. And Make others great. Luke 22. I want you to turn a few pages. Matthew, Mark, Luke. You're going... Right. Luke 22. How are we doing? Okay. Enough, enough for doing okay for us to keep going. We're not stopping anyways. Luke 22, verse 24. We're going to read uh, a story, give you a little background first as we go into this second part of preach the gospel of the kingdom and now make others great. Um, now we're in the book of Luke. This is Luke's account of Jesus' life and ministry. We're towards the end of said account of Jesus, and we're in the middle of Jesus' final dinner with his disciples, his best friends that he's been investing in for three years. We're going to carry this good news of God so that we could end up here today. Jesus knows he's hours away from being arrested and crucified. He's trying to solidify some things in his dudes before they're set free to go take this thing and be let loose. And praise God it worked. We're here. Amen? <laughs> we pick up the story right after dinner. And this, in, in this context, this is the conversation the disciples are having. And I would imagine Jesus was discouraged when he lived out verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. He's probably like, dang it, guys, come on. Like, we're running out of time here. Shouldn't be worried about this stuff anymore. Like, have you missed it this whole time? Has anybody been paying attention at all? And so Jesus uh, sees an opportunity that needs to be engaged, and he does this. He says to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader is one who serves. For who is greater, one who reclines at a table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am amongst you as one who serves. I am amongst you as one who serves. We live in a world similar to the one that Jesus is saying here, where when, when, somebody, when, when a person gets influence or authority, it becomes something to lord over people, to, to use others for your own greatness. This is the world that we live in and the norms in the culture that we're in. And Jesus sees his disciples living this way. And I love that Jesus doesn't say, don't have aspirations for greatness, he doesn't rebuke that. He rebukes their attitude of what greatness is. 
They're arguing about who is the greatest, which means who's better than who, which means who am I better than? Who am I standing on top of to accomplish my greatness? That's what Jesus is after, not the aspirations of greatness, but the context within which greatness can exist. If you've spent much time reading the Bible, you've probably seen that Jesus has this habit of like presenting what we're called parables, like he gives here. He says, okay, I'm going to tell you this imaginary situation that you know, you've probably been in real life. It's not happening right now, but here we are. I'm going to try to make a point here. He gives this parable, and he, and he says, you know, okay, so there's, uh, in our world, the, the kings of the world, they lord it over people and all this stuff. But I want, I want to ask you a question. Um, if you're at a party and there's people sitting at the table, like who's, who's greater, the one sitting at the table or the one serving the people at the table? And like I said, if you've read the Bible much, if you have been in church much, then you probably picked up on the fact that when Jesus asks a question like this, it, it sort of feels like a trap, even though he's still setting you free. You know, like he's trying to set you free and you're like, I know the answer, but I'm scared to say it because you're going to tell me that's not right, even though it is, but it's not. You know, like he always says this thing, like the greatest of you will be the least of these. Whoever is last shall be first. You know, you're like, that's not how it goes, but I believe you, you know. So Jesus, uh, he, he, this is what Jesus has a habit of doing. And, and I, remember reading, I remember reading this passage one, one time as we're in the middle of praying this, right, right as God is kind of putting this phrase into our hearts. And, and as I, I read it, I kind of read over it, assuming that that's what Jesus did in this situation. But when I actually look at what the words say, he didn't do what I expected him to do, which I was expecting him to do what you're not supposed to do. He says something so interesting here that, that honestly, like if Jesus didn't say it, I would think it was heresy, okay? Like this is extreme to me. I need two volunteers, two guys. Who, who got Christian and Jordan, come on up here. Thanks for volunteering, guys. <laughs> okay, uh, so Christian, you're gonna be at the table. We're at a party, right? Yes, perfect. Sitting at the table. You are the one serving at the table, so why don't you go stand back in the corner? Like back in the corner. Back where Chris is and the drums where we can't see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, perfect. Excellent. Okay, so Jesus says we're, we're, we're at a party, and uh, who's better? Who's, who's a bigger deal? Who's a more significant person? Who is greater? You want to know about greatness? Who is greater? The one sitting at the table or the one serving the one at the table? And this is Jesus. So, of course, Jesus is going to say, well, you think the one sitting at the table is greater, but I'm going to tell you that the servant is greater because this is the kingdom of God and all of these sort of things, right? That's what Jesus is supposed to say. But what Jesus actually says is, for who of you is greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? Jesus says, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, he is the greater. You're right. It's right there. It's obvious. What were you guys so confused about? And they're like, it's been three years, you know? Yes, it's the one sitting at the table. But then what Jesus says is, but I come to you as the one who serves. Jesus doesn't just flip-flop who's greater. He doesn't say, you think the one sitting at the table is greater, but actually, I come as the one who serves, and the one who serves is greater. What Jesus says here is he says, no, the one at the table, he is the greater. But... I come as the one who serves. When God took on flesh and bone and stepped into our world, stepped into your life to set us free, he chose in supreme greatness to become among us as the lesser. He doesn't just make the lesser great, he just becomes the lesser. It doesn't compute with me that Jesus can 
can, can associate as the lesser. I mean, it's Jesus. How does this make any sense? Well, he continues on into some verses that are more confusing than anything we've read so far, but are a significant part of making the point that Jesus is trying to make. Because Jesus isn't just trying to tell them what to do. He's trying to tell them who they are. He's not just trying to tell them, y'all are supposed to be people who serve. He's trying to tell them who they are, which is why they serve. Because it matters who you are, not just what you do. Jesus redefines who you are, not just what you do. And so he's making a point. How is the God, the King of Kings, among us as the one who is lesser? How does any of this make sense? He continues his, verse, his, his, his story here in verse 28. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. There's a lot here. <laughs> And some confusing things, but I want us to zoom out just a little bit so that we can get the point that I believe Jesus is trying to make about who they are. Jesus' story about one who sits at the table and one who serves isn't about telling them, y'all are just a bunch of slaves. Go around serving people. What he's trying to do is tell them, you guys are concerned with the wrong table. We're all concerned living our lives wanting a seat at the table. You know, we want a seat at the table, literally, or, or we, we, want a, we want a spot in the crowd. We want somebody to validate us. We need this greatness. We, we, we have aspirations for greatness, which I believe is from God. We, have to be, we need that to be satisfied, and it drives us to say, well, if I'm going to sit at the table, that means somebody else can't. And so i got to fight my way to get my seat at the table. And we live our lives wrestling for these seats at tables. Who's who in the friend group, the workplace, the family? Where do I fit in and how do I make sure I'm taken care of? And again, Jesus doesn't tell them, no, you have no need for a great seat at the table. He just says you're looking at the wrong table. You're concerned about the table that everybody else is concerned with, but you don't understand that I have assigned to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom where you sit at my table in my kingdom. And he says all this stuff about thrones and tribes and all of these kinds of things. But what Jesus is trying to say is, guys, you're totally missing the greatness that I give you. Not by what you accomplish or who you are, but by grace. He's saying, this is the grace of God, that I satisfy your greatness in my kingdom. So you don't have to worry about where you fit in this one. What he's trying to say is, guys... Grace gives you a greatness that you could never add to yourself. Grace gives you a greatness that nobody else could ever contribute more to. Grace gives you a greatness that has no need of standing on top of others. Grace gives you greatness. If you understood my kingdom, you would know who you were, and you would understand that when you look at the table, you have no need of anything from that person at the table, and you're free to serve. Jesus knew who he was, which is why he was free to give everything. I come as the one who's lesser. He is not lesser, but because he's secure in who he is, he can come as the lesser, and he can give his life 
to making sure that Christian becomes everything he's called to be. This is what make others great means. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Way to go. You're amazing. This is what it means to make others great. It's not just an environment where we, we, where we say, no, I'm no, I'm no big deal. Like, you just, like, I don't want to, eh. you know, like, we don't need to do this eggshell thing, right? Making others great most, happens most genuinely and powerfully when you and all of us together are secure in who we are in the kingdom of God. And we understand that who God has made us to be already by his grace has nothing to be added to, which means the greatest calling in my life, the best thing I could ever live for is to make sure you become the greatness that God's called you to. Because I need nothing. Your defeat contributes nothing to my success. My biggest win is you stepping into everything God's called you to be. And it's true for you too and everybody else around you. And this is who we will be as a people. We're gonna proclaim this good news of God, that Jesus is alive today. The rule and reign of God is available for us. We can step into hopeless situations. We can bring courage where there's discouragement. We can bring this kingdom of God and we can do it with an attitude where we don't have to lord anything over anybody. We get to leverage this grace to make others great. That's who you are. That's what we're called to be. And that's what Jesus is inviting you into. I want you to stand up this morning as we close. This impacts everything for today. I wanted to start this series talking about this to, under, to help you understand. It sounds a little bit maybe not super practical. I don't know how does this interact with your everyday life, but I want you just in these final moments as we respond to take Jesus up on his invitation from Mark chapter 115, and repent. It can be such a big, heavy, scary word, but it's a word of freedom. Because it's not a word of guilt and condemnation. It's a word of invitation. Jesus' invitation to us this morning is to repent, turn from everything else that we could ever try to build and be satisfied by that could never fulfill anyways. He's not just asking you to repent because he's mad at you. He's asking you to repent because it's not gonna work. And he's inviting you into the kingdom of God. And I want you to invite the Holy Spirit in these moments. Lord, where am I distracted from your kingdom, from your good news? God, convince me of the good news of God. Highlight anything in my life that I need to turn from to help me more, be more convinced to believe in the gospel, as Jesus said. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to convince you and lead you into repentance in this moment, to convince you of who you are by grace. Say, Holy Spirit, is there anything I'm not believing? Because believing the gospel means you have to believe you are who he says you are. And until you believe this grace, until you understand that he's given you everything, you won't be free to give everything to those around you. So I wanna invite us just to invite the Holy Spirit. Say, God, come and convict me. Bring me to repentance and set me free. Anything in my life that's distracting me from your kingdom or anything in my life that would make me try to stand on top of others instead of making them great, I wanna turn from that and I wanna find the life that is the good news of God. We're gonna have people off to the side to pray with you as always. If you need prayer this morning, it makes no sense leaving without getting it. You're at church for goodness sakes. And uh, nobody's looking at you anyways, so don't worry about what they think about you. Get what you need in God. Turn to somebody around you if you need prayer or maybe you just need to be there in this moment and let the Holy Spirit speak to you.
Whatever you need to do, just respond. Respond in your heart. Respond in whatever way God's leading you to. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never stepped into the kingdom of God, do it today. It doesn't matter what yesterday holds, what you think might hold you back, what you think might be too big or not enough. Yesterday is taken care of by the grace of God. And tomorrow isn't that big of a deal. Jesus said, don't worry about it. It'll worry about itself. He's already there. We're not there yet. He's talking to you today. Today is the day of salvation. Turn to Jesus. Love for you to talk with the person who brought you. Go talk to somebody off to the side, but don't go through today and miss Jesus. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for these moments together. We thank you for your word, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, right now into our hearts. Come and uh, convict us, convince us, Lord, of anywhere that we need to turn and find the life of the good news of God. I pray freedom over these moments together as we sing this song, God. Set us more free than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Lead us into repentance. Lead us into life. And give us a freedom that has to leak out tomorrow, leak out Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and every day. In Jesus' name.